Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Thanks for being here today. John chapter 5. This morning, I want to start a series entitled Face to Face. Face to face encounters with Jesus. Those in the Bible that seen the Son of God face to face, looked in his eyes and he looked into theirs. And today I want to look at the encounter that this man had. This man who was sick for 38 years. I'd like to give you his name, but the Bible doesn't give him, give us his name. It just says this man. There was a certain man. And today I want to look at his story. And I want to see how the Lord will speak to us today. When you leave here this morning, I want you to be to have a face-to-face encounter with Jesus yourself. I want you to leave this morning and be able to say that God spoke to me today. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Bethesda, by the way, means house of grace, house of mercy. And by the way, that's what this place here should be a house of grace, a house of mercy, a house where we let people in the door that don't look like us, don't smell like us, don't act like us, don't talk like us, don't have as much money as we do. Come on, somebody. A house of grace. This ain't no club. See, I'm preaching now, and I don't need to. I need to get through the text. But this is not a club for people who look like us and people who believe the same way as us. Give me a Muslim, let him come in here. I'll let him come in here. I don't care if you believe God in Jesus or you don't believe in Jesus, because I believe that I know I'm going to preach Jesus, and eventually you're going to realize that Jesus is who I say he is. So I don't care what you believe. I don't care where you were last night. I want you here. This is a place of grace, a house of grace. Now there was that Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. They're blind, they're paralyzed, they got all kind of issues. And they were waiting for the moving of the water. Whosoever would jump in when the water was troubled first, They'd be made whole of whatever disease they had. Verse 5. And there was a certain man there which had an infirmity 38 years. That's a long time. When Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that he had been now a long time in that case, in that situation, sick. He said unto him, 
Now listen, this is the question I won't ask you. you uh, if you're an underliner, underline it, highlight it, circle it. Do you want to be made whole? Jesus seen this man and he said, do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, somebody else goes in before me. Jesus said unto him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him who was cured, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me whole told me to take up my bed and to walk. Then answered they him, what man told you this? What man said, take up your bed and walk? And he said, I don't know who it was. I don't know his name. Verse 14, Jesus finds him in the temple. And he said to him, Behold, you're made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto you. This morning, I want to ask you, do you want to be well? Some of y'all are already thinking this message isn't for me because I'm already well. Maybe that's what you need to be healed from. Pride. Self-righteousness. Will you be made whole? Do you want to be made well? I go, I want to bring out three points to that. Three things we could tell Jesus when he asked us, do we want to be made whole? The first thing I see right here, the first point I want to bring out is this man made an excuse. Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? And this man said, I, hold on. I don't have nobody to put me in the water. I don't have nobody to help me get me in this water. When I see that water stirring, I'm trying to get in there, but somebody gets in there before I can get in there. You know what I see? I see, and maybe I'm wrong, but I see a little offense. This man's offended a little bit. He says, do you want to be made whole? You know what the man was thinking? Don't you think I'm trying to get whole? Don't you think I'm trying to get well? Don't you think I'm trying to jump in this water? And you know, people who've been like they've been for a long time, they always have a spirit of offense. I'm preaching now. Don't you think I'm, I don't have Jesus. Well, he don't even know who he's talking to. I don't have anybody to put me in. I, I, I don't have the right connections. You see, we give excuses to God. I don't have nobody to put me in the pool. I don't have the right kind of people in my life. I don't have the right kind of connections. I don't have the right 
amount of money. I didn't come from the right family. I lived on the other side of town. My, I'll come from a divorced family. My father was an alcoholic. My mama was a drug addict. We gave all these excuses and God is not looking, hear me, for an excuse. God is looking for a yes. Do you want to be made whole? Yes. He made an excuse. Also, one of the greatest excuses we use, hear me now, is this. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. And then we're told in the Bible, actually, this was his fault. And can I tell you something? Some things are just our fault. The Bible calls it trespasses. When you say too much, when you go a little too far, anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all act like y'all been saved all y'all's life. Said too much, went too far. And then when God wants to ask you and ask you where you may be made whole, our response is, well, you know, this really, all of this isn't my fault. God's not looking for excuses. God's looking for a yes. My second point is this, exceptions. Can I tell you, you're not an exception to God's power. What I mean by that is God can do anything, and that means anything. And that God can heal anybody, and that means anybody. God can set you free, and you know what that means? You. I found it a lot easier to believe God in other people's lives than in my own life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, like somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, and they lay this thing on me, and it's, it's big and it's heavy, and they say, Pastor, will you believe God with me? Will you help me? Will you help pray for me? And I will bombard heaven and believe that God can do the impossible in their lives. And then I don't have that same faith when it comes to my own life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then when it comes to your life, you think, well, I don't know. Uh, can I remind you, this man had been like he was for 38 years. So, most of us hadn't been nothing for 38 years. This man was sick for 38 years, staring at this water, looking into this pool, waiting for the waters to be stirred just to be outdone by someone who was quicker, someone who was faster, someone who had help. And this man for 38 years was staring failure in the face. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter. And I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it again. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. It doesn't matter where you've been doing it at. It doesn't matter who you've been doing it with. It doesn't matter how long you've been broke or how long you 
you've been sick or how long you've been without joy or how long you've been suffering from this thing or how long you've had this addiction or how long you've had this pain or how long you've been feeling the way you've been feeling. Can I remind you, you are no exception to the power of God. No exception. God didn't say, I can do anything except, well, not that. No, God said, I can do anything. Not only can he, he will. But he's not looking for excuses. He's looking for a yes. Let me remind you, you are no exception to the miracle working power of God. The Bible said this man had an infirmity. I think it's verse 5. Yeah. Put it up there, verse 5. Let's read it together. A certain man was there which had an infirmity for 38 years. That word infirmity means weakness. Anybody got a weakness in their life? Some of you are liars. Let me ask you again. Anybody got a weakness in their life? Spiritual, physical, emotional. This word infirmity means weakness. This man had a weakness. His weakness was in his legs. He was paralyzed. He was crippled. Where's your weakness? And if you say, I don't have a weakness, that's your weakness. That is your weakness. See, I'm reminded of Paul in the Bible. Paul cried out to God, now I've left John. Okay, just a second. I've left this whole story. I'm on a new story. It's the story of Paul. You ready? All right. Paul loves God. Paul is saved. And Paul cries out to God. Lord, I have a thorn in the flesh. You know what he was saying? I've got a weakness. I got a weakness, and he prays that God would deliver him. And how many wants God to deliver us from our weaknesses? Amen? He just wants to snatch him out of it, just, just snatch us right out of it. And... But that doesn't always happen. In old Paul's situation, it didn't happen. He cried out three times, separate times, God, deliver me from this weakness. It's too much. I can't fight it. I hate it. Deliver me from it. Well, what was his weakness, Pastor? The Bible doesn't say on purpose. You know why? Because God knows how crazy we are. And if Paul and the God would have pointed out exactly what that was, that's all we would have focused on. That issue. Whatever that issue was. And then when our issue comes along, we say, well, it ain't that issue. So the Bible just puts it general. 
It was a weakness. It was a thorn in the flesh. I have, you ever got a thorn in your finger? Have you ever got one and not even know it until it starts bothering you? Oi, my finger hurts. Ow, I have a, that was terrible acting, wasn't it? <laughs> Horrible acting. You get what I'm saying. Oh boy, I got a thorn. There's someone who comes, I, the lady who cuts my hair. And yes, somebody actually comes and cuts my hair. Because if I let it grow out, it will look like I have the mange. Grows on the side and spotty down the middle. So somebody comes and cuts it. And she told me, oh, my finger hurts. I said, what's wrong? She said, I got a hair in my finger. I said, do what? She said, I got a hair. It's like a splinter. It'll get down to my finger. I didn't, I'd never heard of that. I said, wow. She said, yeah, it's like a, getting a splinter in your finger. She said, you don't know it until that, it gets infected and starts hurting. That's kind of like our weaknesses. First, you didn't recognize it. And then it starts getting that irritable place that nagging place, that thing you want to shake and you try to shake it, but you can't shake it. It's the thing that you cry out to God and ask Him to help you and forgive me, God, and you cry out to God with tears running down your face and say, God, forgive me for this thorn, this weakness. I have succumbed to it again. I have given in to it again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You cry out to God and you want God to take it away from you. But this is what he told Paul. He said, I'm not going to take it away from you, but I'm going to give you grace. And my grace is sufficient, more than enough, for every weakness, for every time you struggle, I'm going to give you grace. Here's the beautiful thing about it. You say, well, God didn't do nothing. Oh, yeah, God did something. Let me tell you about your weakness. Your weakness can become your greatest strength. And this is why. And this is why. Because the Bible says, Paul, Paul, I'm going to give you grace. And he, and he said this. He said, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. I thank God for my thorn. Whew, glory to God. Whoa, that's good. I thank God for my thorn. Say, Pastor, what's your thorn? Mind your own business. <laughs> Shut your mouth. No, you didn't just ask me that in your head. I didn't ask you. It's none of your business what my thorn is. But I know this, I got one and you've got one. And if you don't want me to call it a thorn, you want me to call it a weakness, you want me to call it a struggle, you want me to call, I don't know what you want me to call it, but you know what I'm talking about. The writer of Hebrews called it a the sin. He said, lay aside every weight and definite article, the sin which so tr easily trips you up. 
Am I shedding some light on your thorn right now? Am I shedding some light on your weakness? But I thank God for my thorn because God can take that because I'm dependent on him in that area of my life. I need him, Carl, in that area of my life. I know I can't make it one day in that area of my life without him. So I give him that. I give it to him and say, God, I can't do this. God, I can't fight this. God, I can't live without this. God, I've got to have you helping me. I've got to be, I need you totally. I've got to depend on you. I can't let this thing go unless you pry it out of my hands. I can't not pick it back up, God, unless you turn me the other way. I've got to have you. And guess what? When your total dependence to God in that area of your life, it will no longer be a weakness, but it'll become your greatest strength because you'll depend on God in that area more than any area of your life. This man had a weakness for 38 years. You see, it was God's grace that caused him to be out there hanging on. Can you imagine 38 years of trying to get in a pool, paralyzed, and somebody drops you off, and there you are again, trying to get in, and not being able to, and everybody around you getting a healing, and you're not being able to? What would keep this man there? The same thing that keeps me and you. The grace of God. I don't care if you struggle. I just don't want you to quit. Look at me. I don't want you to struggle, but I sure don't want you to quit. And this morning, if I got some people out there to me, that are looking at, me, looking at me and hearing me today, and you say, Pastor, I'm struggling, I say, just don't quit. Just don't quit. Just don't give up. Because I'm telling you, the Bible says God will give you a grace that will cause you to rise above. God will teach you how to live righteously and soberly. His grace has appeared unto all men, teaching us to live righteously and soberly. Only God can do this. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Hear me now. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. You hadn't been like you've been for too long. You are no exception to the power of God. And my last point is this, experiences. Don't let your previous religious experience keep you from God's best. See that man? He was laying at the pool, staring at the water, trying to get in the pool when the waters were stirred by the angel, and he's doing his best. And then here comes Jesus. He don't know who Jesus is. 
he comes to him and he says, Jesus comes to him and says, hey, do you want, do you want him to be well? And you know what he could have said? Excuse me, sir. Would you please leave me alone because I'm trying to focus on the water. Go. Why? Why would he say that? Well, because he'd seen other people get healed in the water. His religious experience is these people getting healed in the water, so he's just focusing on the water. He's doing his best to get in the water. And here this man is, hey, would you like to be made whole? Probably going through this man's mind is, uh, yeah, that's why I'm looking at the water. Look around. This is what we're doing. But he didn't let his religious experience stop him. Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? Oh, yeah, he gave excuses because he didn't understand. But then Jesus said to him, just get up. And he could have said, uh, no, that's why I'm here. But you know what he done? He said, why the heck not? I can't get in this water. This ain't working. None of this is working. This religious stuff ain't working. Help me, somebody. Why don't I just, whatever. And he grabs his bed. And for the first time in 38 years, stands to his feet. Now, hear me. Hear me, hear, hear what hap here, here, here's what happens. He stands up, grabs his bed, and starts walking. And the religious people, Jews, they see him, and they said, Hey, what are you doing carrying around your bed? Don't you know today is the Sabbath? See, that was Jewish day of rest. You didn't do any kind of work. My grandmother, my me mama, my nanny, my granny, my nana. You get know what I'm saying? She bought an oven. It was around Thanksgiving. It's been three or four years ago. It might have been longer than that. But it was a smaller cabinet hole, and so they had to get a special order. Anyway, they ordered the oven. And when the oven came in, it was like a couple days before Thanksgiving or Christmas. I can't remember. I think it was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And so that was a big deal. <laughs> so we were praying that the stove would come in. Right? I mean, the oven would come in. And God showed up right on time. And the oven came in, and they stuck it in the hole. And everything, it come on, it fired up. Everything was good. And then I got a call on the phone. Caleb, I said, yes, you better start praying. I said, oh, Lord, what is it? She said, the stove, the oven. I said, yes. She said, it won't get above 200 and something degrees. I said, oh, God. <laughs> I said, quick, get oil, canola, uh, olive, any kind, you, any kind you can get, and douse it over that stove, and I'm going to be praying and we're going to believe God's going to heal that stuff. Oven. No, that's not what we've done. She called the person. 
the people to come fix it or look at it that installed it. And you know what they said? Oh, we know what's wrong. It's on Sabbath mode. Uh, Have you ever heard of such? No. Oh, yeah. It won't get any higher than 200 and something degrees because that is warming. But once you go over a certain degree, that's, that's, that's cooking. And cooking is work. So for the Jewish people, they, they create a mode so that they can accidentally cook on the Sabbath. You hear me? Real story. Elevators don't work in Jerusalem on the Sabbath, but they'll let you walk up the steps. That's crazy, isn't it? Religious law and rules. And that's the same type of people that seen this man walking, carrying his mat. They didn't care that he had just got healed. All they cared about was that he was carrying his bed. And let me tell you something, religious people don't care anything about the soul of man. They just want you to follow the rules. They, want, they don't care how you live during the week, you just get to church on Sunday. And don't you cause no problems, and don't you get in the police roundup in the newspaper, don't you make us look bad, don't you make the church look bad, you just do what you're supposed to do, everything will be good, and make sure you pay your tithes and you come to church. Now that's just religion. But he didn't let religion stop him. He didn't care who was watching him, and he didn't care what they thought about him. He didn't let his religious experience keep him from God's best. And some of you come to this church and you think, man, that ain't like the church I've been to before. I've been called father, priest. I've been called all kinds of things. And they'll say, you know, because they, they just know what people know what they know. And they'll say, that ain't like... I, when I went to my granny's church when I was a kid, that's the last time I've been to church. That ain't like my granny's church. And hear me, this ain't your granny's church. I mean, it's my granny's church. But I mean, but it ain't your granny's church. I mean, that's your granny. You know what I mean. This ain't your, this ain't. And I'm afraid that some of us miss what God wants to do in our lives because we take it back to how God done it 10 years ago. 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, and maybe God's wanting to do something new in your life, and you've got to allow God to do something new in your life. And maybe He wants to do it in a way that you've never done it before. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe God wants to make you whole, but it's not going to come the way it came last year. Or 10 years ago, or 20 years ago. God's doing something. He wants to do it. Don't allow your past experience to limit what God does. Pastor, I don't believe you got to come down to that altar. Maybe you do, though. I mean, like maybe this time you do. I don't believe you got to preach like you're preaching. All that hollering and stuff, well, maybe God wants you, maybe you do, but maybe that's how it's, for you, is how God wants to do it. 
I ain't never going to a Pentecostal church. Well, maybe you will. Maybe you have. Maybe you are. <laughs> because maybe that's what God's wanting to do for you. Am I making any sense right now? Stand with me all across the building. Hear me. As I recap, don't give God an excuse. Give God a yes. Will you be made whole? All God wants is yeah. Don't worry about how. Don't worry about what it may look like. Don't worry about what it may consist of. Just say, hear me, hear me. Just say yes. Let me ask it like this. Are you tired? Like, you know, there, there comes a point in time in a person's life where they just get tired of being tired. You hear me? They're tired. You, you get tired of being sick. And that's a very real place. You have no joy. You have no peace. And you're tired. So I, this morning I ask you, maybe that's you. Sin is sin, sin has worked, wreaked havoc in your life. And maybe you're tired, and maybe you want to be made whole today. Maybe your marriage is falling apart, and I, I want to, I'm giving you, hey, listen, and you're, you don't know what to do. Hear me. Would you be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? You know what I found out? There's no such thing as a marriage problem. It's just people problems. It's the same. I mean, it's not, actually, that's the root. It's not a marriage problem, it's a people problem. Maybe you're suffering with addiction today. You tried every 12 step, and you've done all that you know to do, but you've never came to Jesus. And Jesus is saying today, are you ready to get well? Are, are you ready? You tried everything else. Do you, now do you want to be made whole? Maybe you've been suffering with agonizing, defeat, defeating depression and anxiety. Hear me. And you've tried, and you're taking medicine, and I'm asking you, though, this morning, do you want to be made whole? I'm not against medicine of any type. Not at all. But I've learned this. There's a spirit usually almost 100% of the time. It starts spiritually. And it manifests whatever it is physically. So I ask you, do you want to be made whole?
you tired of living like you're living? Do you want to be made whole? The bottle's got you. You ain't got the bottle. Do you want to be made whole? Do you? You say, Pastor, there ain't nobody coming to that altar today. Things you called out. There's nobody going to confess and say that there are those things. They've got those things in their lives. Maybe not. But if there is one that I want to give them the opportunity. Because God is saying, do you want to be well? This church is called to be a hospital for the hurting, for the broken. This ain't a club, this ain't something religious activity that we check the box no this is for people who are messed up and let me go ahead and clear the air I'm messed up if you're looking for a perfect pastor who's got it all together I don't have it all together but I've learned how to go to the one who does have it all together. And if I stay in his presence, and if I stay humble, and if I stay with the awareness that I desperately need him, I'm learning how to overcome. So I ask you today, they're going to play a song, and I'm standing right here at this altar. And my first call is this. Let me get where you can see me. My first call is this. If you're not saved, would you be made whole today? Would you give your life to Christ? I don't even know how to do that, Pastor. All you got to do is place your faith in Jesus. Place your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you. What did Jesus do for me, Pastor? He bore on his body, hanging on a cross over 2,000 years ago. Hear me. He, he bore all our shame, all our guilt, all of our sin. And the punishment and the wrath for our sin was poured out upon him on that cross. So when he hung there with the nails in his wrist and the nails in his feet, he wasn't there, just there. No, he was there and upon him was all of our sin. That was the agony. 
That was the reason that during that time, the sun faded away. Darkness covered the face of the earth because it was dark. It was terrible. It was a sin that had ever had already been committed and that would ever be committed. All of the sin he took upon himself. Taking it out of the way. Going to a tomb. Burying our sin. Rising again. Saying, now, if you believe me, you'll never perish, but you'll live forever. Jesus said it himself. I didn't come for the well. For the well, the healed, do not need a physician, but sick. Those who are broken, those who are lost, that's who Jesus came for. And he said he came to find you and to free you. I came to seek, Jesus said, and save that which was lost. You hear me? So today, if you don't know Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, and I don't know Jesus. I'm not saved. If I was to die today, I would not go to heaven. I know that, and I want Jesus. I need him. I know I need him. I, I'm at the place where I've got to have him. If that's you this morning, lift your hand. All across this building, if that's you, lift your hand. I see that hand. Anybody else this morning? Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. That hand. Now look at me. Now I'm going to ask you, you raised your hand. Maybe some of you didn't. Now would you be made whole? You said you were sick. I'm going to come down here at this altar. And if you raised your hand, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but God's dealing with you. And you want to be made whole today. You've already done the hard part. You said, I got, I need, I need, I need healing. I'm not saved. You want healing today. Step out from where you're at and meet me right here. If you raised your hand, would you step out? I know it's gonna take courage. Ma'am, sir, you think, what will people say about me? Oh, what would you say? What would you think about somebody that came down to the altar to see Jesus? What would you think about it? It'd be the best decision they ever made if you're sick and easy. I'll tell you what people will do and say. They'll celebrate you. We'll celebrate. Why? Because when I see you coming down here, I don't see you. I see me. That's right. Come on. down to this altar today 
some more raised your hands. Over here, somebody raised their hands uh, all over the place. I'm asking. I'm begging. I used to say I wouldn't beg, but Paul begged. Paul said, I beg you, I beseech, I, I beseech you, brethren, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of service. Look at me today. I'm begging you, if you do not know Jesus, to come down to this altar. You're not coming to me. You're not coming to an altar. You're coming to Jesus. You're coming to Jesus. You're coming to life. You're laying death down, and you're coming to life. So I'm going to ask you, listen, listen. There was a man in the Bible, just like this man, paralyzed. He had some friends. They heard Jesus was coming to the house next door. So they got this paralyzed man, came to his house, got him dressed. Hang on, I'm coming. Put him on a stretcher. Took him to the house where Jesus was. When they got to the house, what was the house was full. So what'd they do? They turned around and went home. Oh no, not these friends. They said, we're gonna go up the top of the house. Are you with me? And we're going to drop you down inside the house in front of Jesus. And then he's got to do something for you. And what happened that day? That man came down through the ceiling into the house in front of Jesus. Jesus didn't get mad or upset. Jesus said, this is why I came. And he healed the man of his physical infirmity. And then he saved his soul. So I want you to be a good friend to somebody right now and do something hard. I ain't asking you to drop somebody down in the roof, from the roof, from the ceiling. But I am asking you to do this. Look to the neighbor, the person to the left of you or to the right of you and say, if you need to go down to the altar today, if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't, if you need to come down to the altar, I'll come down with you. Do that right now. Do that right now. Sing, Josh. Do that right now. And if, and if they look at you funny, or they say yeah, then grab them and bring them down here. Grab them and bring them down here. You come to get saved today. Not enough unless you come. Will you be?
ask you this before we close. You say, Pastor, she just gave her life to the Lord. Amen. But you say, Pastor, I am saved. But when you was talking about that weakness thing, that really, God really began to speak to me through you. If that was you, would you raise your hand right now? Yeah. Put it down. My question to you is this. We're not going to come down to an altar. Too many of you. I'm not going to pray for you today. It's just too many of you. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to believe in faith together. Because what you need is what we just said. I am the man at the pool in need of grace. I am the man who has an infirmity, an infirmity, a weakness. I need the grace of God to help me overcome it. Is that where we're at today? Let's pray. If you raise your hand, lift your hand up to God right now. Father, I acknowledge that I got weaknesses in my life. I got things in my life, God, that I need the supernatural Holy Spirit of God. Power, the grace of God help me. Oh God, I pray right now for every person, God, that you would strengthen them. God, that they would take this word, they would live it, they would breathe it, they would eat it, they would hold on to it. When they want to give up, they would remember what your word says, that your grace is sufficient to hold us, to keep us. God, the grace that saved us is the grace that will lead us and direct us, God, and cause us to overcome every sin, every weakness in our lives. Your grace is sufficient for us. God, right now, I declare that these people will not give up. These people will not quit. These people will not throw in the towel. But God, they will keep their eyes on you, their faith in you. And as they keep their faith and their eyes on you, God, you're going to give them the grace that they need to take every step that needs to be taken. God, to wake up and face the day. God, I thank you now. Your grace is sufficient for us. And God, we give you praise for it all. Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give God a praise today? We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.